You're listening to Biz Quick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. Biz Quick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And today we have brothers Joe and John DeGroff on the show. They are from, uh, they run DeGroff Financial and they're out of Hurricane West Virginia, which I feel like we're going to talk about that little town. And... But before we bring them on the show, we are going to talk about retirement planning. Yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting conversation with them. I don't really know what to expect, but the talking about financial planning, especially retirement planning, I think is uh, an, a good topic now considering the, the year that everybody's had and uh, small business owners in general, the, the retirement is rarely on their mind because it's all about making money now and surviving now and not not thinking that far ahead. Yeah, I wonder how many people, how many small business owners in 2020 knocked out most of their retirement and not because the stock market took it, but because they took it to live. Well, not only that, and then there's people like myself where I, I cleaned out my entire savings so I can open up a restaurant this year. That's my retirement plan. Yes. <laughs> to work the rest of my life. <laughs> yes. Well, I still think it's a good plan and, uh, you know, you'll it'll pay dividends, but a little scary though, nonetheless, right? Uh, I mean, yes and no. It's not um, the, uh, everything that's within my control, I'm not concerned about. It's just, there's always unknowns that you can't you can't plan for. Sure. Well, I think one of my favorite things about you is that you're extremely risk tolerant, right? Correct. So you are not afraid to take a risk on something and then no, and, and you, you'll you bet on yourself every day of the week. So I think you'll be fine, but it's still scary. Um, do you think that, how do you think most people, I, let me, let me, let me back up. A couple years ago, I heard a statistic. It was it wasn't that long ago. I heard a statistic that like eighty percent of people over the age of fifty five didn't have a single dime saved for retirement. Over fifty five? Yeah, that's crazy. That's scary, right? That is. Yeah, because, I mean, I, th I think for a long time, a lot of people thought that the government would take care of them with social security, but social you can't really live on social security unless you're going to eat cat food. Yeah, I mean, even with Social Security, you need some something to lean back on or at least, let's say, own your home so you can knock out some significant uh, – own your home outright so you can knock out, like, the, those significant uh, budget expenses like a mortgage. Sure, and then get good at gardening. Yeah, and fixing <laughs> your own house as things break. <laughs> yes, because you want to grow your own food, fix your own shit, and um, also – like, really, I think the most important thing that you can do for your retirement, this might be controversial, Corey, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it anyway because I'm feeling controversial today. Taking care of your health. Or you could not take care of your health and just end it earlier. 
so your, your <laughs> savings don't have to last as long. Well, that's always an option, and I feel like we got a lot of people in, in this country that are going down that path, true, right? True. <laughs> but, I mean... You, you can either pay attention to your health now or pay attention to it later. And I know we're not, this is not a health focused podcast, but health becomes expensive in your older years because, you know, doctors and big pharma are pushing all of this medicine and drugs on you and you're just, you know, need procedures and whatnot. So. Sure. And, and it just like a savings account, the, <clears throat> the longer you wait to start taking care of yourself, the, the harder it is to actually get ahead. Yes, that is a really, really well-stated point. So um, what do you um, think is the most, for you personally, what's your opinion on what's the best way to save for retirement? Build a strong business that I know that's going to make me enough money that I can lay back on later. I mean, right, because right now that's what it is. The, uh, I mean, uh, like I said, I, I cleared out my 401k. I took every penny I could find in savings and, um, that's all getting dumped into the restaurant. The uh, again, it's not like I'm putting taking it to Vegas and putting it all on black. Uh, you know, it might seem that way to some people, especially those who are a little more risk adverse. But the the notion there is that hopefully, if everything goes well and and every uh, you know everything within my control will, I, I can't control another pandemic obviously as much as I think that I can. Um, but the, the idea there being that it, within a couple of years, that investment that I put into this restaurant will have paid itself back and then some, and then I can either reinvest that into another restaurant, which is the plan, or, you know, if, if I'm happy as is, I can just start saving money then. Yeah. So I'm, it, am I responsible for your income for a significant portion of 2021? <laughs> Do I have to sell extra hard on SBPs? That should have been the plan since March of 2020. <laughs> um, That's but, fair. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, yes and no. The, the, I mean, the fun part about investing in a business and taking out loans and all of that fun stuff is in the budget, I have paying myself as a part of that. So I'm essentially taking out a loan so I can pay myself back. So I'm taking paying myself with interest, but starting a, a couple months before the actual open date, I'm going to have to be working full time on the restaurant and I'm not going to be able to be, you know, working on anything else. So I'm going to have to have some sort of income coming in. So that's just going to get paid out of, um, you know, out of the, the working capital that we have for the restaurant. And then hopefully we'll get open real quick so that I can start actually making money. Yeah. And I, I do want to point out for, um, any of our listeners who also happen to be clients or prospective clients that, um, you know, you've probably heard us talk a lot recently about Corey and the amount of work that he's going to be doing in the restaurant and that he's going to be pulling back from SB Pace. But that does not mean that SB Pace is going anywhere or, there, or that we're not going to be still servicing our clients. We have been, we have a strategy built for that that we've been working on all along. And I think sometimes I get a little nervous that we, um, we talk about, the restaurant a lot lately, which is good because it's this very big and important thing. But sometimes I, I hope it's not at the expense of people thinking that we're not doing things for SB Pace because we are, and we're, we're, we're fully equipped and ready to still continue to service the clients, our clients and take on new clients. We just 
have a little bit of a different process in place once once your availability starts to dip and diminish with the um, work as the work of the restaurant ramps up. Yeah, that's right. Julie's going to become a finance expert. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> that's not happening. Um, maybe today's podcast is really us interviewing Joe and John DeGroff to see if they can become our finance yes. experts. <laughs> we don't know. You don't know what's going to happen at SB Pace. We are, um, we're always making changes. So, all right. We probably need to wrap up and uh, bring in Joe and John and start this some um, exciting conversation that we have no idea where we're going to go with. Let's do it. We'll right. see you in a second. Perfect. Hey, everyone. If you're like most entrepreneurs out there, time is not something you ever seem to have enough of. We get it. There are a million things that need your attention, both in business and in your personal life. That's why we created Time Bomb. This is a self-paced course designed to help you determine what your time is worth and where you should be spending those precious hours every day. Right now, we have an option to buy the bundle, which also includes products designed to help you become more efficient with your time. It's a $70 deal you're getting for only an additional $30. Head on over to sbpace.com to learn more. Time Bomb. Take control of your calendar. Gain control of your life. Welcome back to the show. We've got Joe and John DeGroff with us, and I have been schooled. It is not Hurricane West Virginia. It's Hurricane West Virginia. So I now know. And they are from DeGroff Financial. You can probably tell by the name, it's their business. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Good to be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you. Yeah, we're excited to uh, to get into talking about retirement and get your all, all your thoughts on that. But uh, if you wouldn't mind, just give us like a quick background so we know who we're talking to and why we're talking to you. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll open up. Um, so I'm Joe, and uh, so I started... Uh, DeGroff Financial in 2016 um, and kept trying to pull John along for a little while. He had uh, he had another engagement that he was working on, but <clears throat> he came very soon after. And, uh, you know, basically what we did is we, we started building DeGroff Financial because we saw the way that things were done in the industry. We both worked in the industry for, I don't know, a long time. Yeah. 10 years at the time. Yeah. 10 years at the time apiece. And we just saw all of these ways that that, that business was done, that financial planning was done, that didn't really make a whole lot of sense from, made sense from a business standpoint, but didn't really make sense from a client standpoint. And so we just wanted the opportunity to step away and say, I don't want to be bound by what everybody says that I, the way that I have to do business. And I want to do it the way that I know needs to be done to be able to help clients. And so, yeah, that started in 2016. John came along in 2017, and here we are, you know, five years later, just going out trying to make make things better in the industry, help our clients, and find improvements and all of that good stuff. I don't have anything to add to that. Perfect. <laughs> that pretty much that pretty much covered it. So you know what's crazy is I thought always that John started DeGraff Financial and then brought Joe in. So. I, look at you guys are educating me all over the place today. No, I'm still not sure which one's which. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on. um, yeah, Joe, actually, um, we kind of got together and had the idea. Like he kind of brought some thoughts to me and I kind of added, you know, some thoughts to it. And we were real close to both of us pulling the trigger when I kind of got cold feet and backed out. And 
Um, well, you just you had other you had other things going on. So John and I spent you know we spent all that time in the industry together, and so for years we had been going back and forth on why are things this way? Should mm-hmm. be this way? Should be that way? And you know when you're young and dumb, you're just trying to figure things out. And you know, and it, so it, it took a while. So it was just yeah, I started at first, but it was just because we had stuff going. He had stuff going on, but you know we're where we need to be now. But yeah, the point is the vision at this point is. You know, a lot of times we we set up the way the financial industry sets up their uh, sets up people's finances and sets up our expectations on finance is such that like money is this goal that if we just have enough of it, then one day everything's going to be okay. And it just doesn't work out. It's not a it's not practical planning from from a, a, a standpoint of any sort of practicality. It doesn't make sense. It also leads to emotional decision making with our money. And we all know when you go to make emotional decisions, you're never going to make the right ones or rarely going to make the right ones. And and so this whole planning model, it just doesn't really make sense for helping facilitate people's financial well-being over the long term. And I just didn't want to be a part of that anymore. So that's why we started to grow financial, because we want people to use their money to help them not just live their life, but to push them forward in their life. You know, money is supposed to be it's supposed to be a driver that pushes us towards our goals. It's not the goal itself that one day, hey, I've got this much money. Okay, great, good for you. Let's let's give you a cookie and a big round of applause. You know, it's about what do you do with it and how does that money help push you forward to your goals? And so it just, it creates a different type of planning and different type of decision-making model than simply saying, how much money do you want for your retirement? Let's just put money in your retirement account and hope for the best. Yeah, so much has changed in how we how we view retirement as a whole. You know, a lot of people I, I've said this. A lot of people our age, your your guys' age, um, don't ha- necessarily follow that same model of just working for forty years and then getting the gold watch and the Taurus and moving on their merry way, right? And so, if retirement has changed, then retirement planning needs to change as well. And we just haven't necessarily got there as an industry. Uh, so, um, everybody trying to do the exact same things, regardless of what your um, goals are, what your objectives are, that was really the driver. One of the big drivers behind what we did is we can't plan exactly the same way for every client. It just doesn't work. Yeah. I, and I really like that approach, just the non-cookie cutter approach to to most things, because not it, there's no such thing as a one size fits all. When it comes to anything, even the things that are, that are sold as one size fits all, they don't really fit all. So the yeah, that concept of, of changing the the way that you approach per client, like crafting it per client, is great. Um, so what are you what are you when you talk to somebody and you're you're trying to talk them out of using a four hundred one k or or you know some of the traditional stuff? Like like how are you? What what are you doing? Like what conversations are you having? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, first off, I'm not personally, you know, we all have different personalities, how we try to do things. I'm not a combative individual, and I'm not in the business of talking people out of things. Uh, I like to start at the beginning and work step by step. If And, and so what I like to do is explain those steps, and where then I, I like to explain where retirement planning fits into it, because certainly I'm not going to tell people not to plan for retirement. That would be foolish. You know, there's simply going to be a reality that we might not be as physically healthy as we are at 35 years old. 
you know, so there's going to be a time very likely that we may need to slow down. Mm -hmm. And in that we need those funds. So I would never say let's not plan for retirement. But what I would say is we can't plan for retirement at the expense of looking at the rest of our life. So, you know, what I do is I just start at the beginning with people, you know, the first place is, so we have a four phase process um, called our enlivening money process. It's got phase zero, phase one, phase two, phase three. And phase zero is really about first off stabilizing people's finances. Um, it's, it's about getting that foundation under you, making sure that your cash flow is actually working for you. Uh, a lot of times we don't know what's coming in, what's going on, what's going out. One of the first clients John and I met with together when we started working together, um, I mean, they had like a $600,000 annual income. So they're pulling in 50 grand a month and they are talking to us about selling their assets, selling their home. And, you know, we're just sitting here talking, trying to figure out what's going on. And, and what it boiled down to is they didn't know what they had coming in and what they had going out. Certainly wasn't that they didn't make enough money. It was just they didn't know what was coming in and going out. And so, you know, I use that example because a lot of times people think that more money is the answer. Well, if I just was making more money, then everything would be okay. But that's not always the answer. So our phase zero process is first about making sure that we've got good foundations. We know what's coming in. We know what's going out. It's, it's organized. It's clear. You've got a handle on what's going on with your money. And then from there, phase one is really about building risk management, you know, managing what your, your potential risks are, because you can't, you can't build wealth if that wealth is constantly going to be taken away from you because you're not properly managed risk. So you have to protect what you're going to be building or else everything you're building could be wiped away in a moment. So phase one then is really about risk management. Phase two then is about beginning to develop your longer term financial assets like retirement planning. So as, as far as when I'm talking to clients, again, I'm, I'm not here to persuade somebody one way or another, get combative with them. It's simply, where are you in the process? Here is the process of here's how we want to get things done. And there's no reason to skip steps unless there is a reason. And if there is, enlighten me. And if there's not a reason, then let's not do it because it doesn't make it doesn't make fiscal sense to do so. Real time. I would, I would add to that as well, that that becomes the entire issue with how we do this cookie cutter planning, how everybody does this cookie cutter planning, because what you have is you have people that haven't taken care of their phase zero needs. They're struggling to go to live, they're living paycheck to paycheck or they're having late fees from time to time or every once in a while an overdraft fee or they just they they have to stop spending money on Wednesday because Friday isn't here yet. Right. Um, but they might be putting six, eight, 10, 15 percent in their 401k. So as as Joe talked about making retirement decisions at the expense of the rest of their life, you know, the, the lifespan there, um, that's what we see. People are people are just doing things in the wrong order. And so we talk a lot about, you know, th these phases, it's sequential finance, right? Like we have to be very intentional about not just what we're doing with our money, but when we are doing it. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that, <clears throat> I mean, we're not the only people talking this way, but I think that it's one of the, it's something that the people that do it the way that we do it are just very different in the industry because everybody just, I mean, I've seen it today, P these people that aren't taking advantage of their company matches are idiots. 
No, it's not necessarily true. It's not. It's just not that simple. And, and that's <laughs> that's one thing that I really have a contention with when we get into finance. It's like there's these polarizing arguments that people have. Like it's the only way. If you don't do it this way, it's like you're anathema mm-hmm. and you're you're going to financial hell because you didn't obey the right way. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. There's a lot of ways to make things work. And the thing about it is, is like everybody has different personalities. And and for me, like the way that you manage your money is is very much in line with how you is very much in line with your personality, you know. And so how you how you the, the decisions that you make have to line up with that. So for instance, like how much money somebody keeps in their checking account, if we're talking about phase zero cash flow kind of things. Well, if you're if you're more of a propensity to save money, then you can have more money in your checking account. If you have more of a propensity to spend what's in there, then certainly you don't want to keep more money in there. Right. So there's all these decisions that are very much based upon our personalities. And what we find so much in the industry is that people just like it's just arguments. It's like if you don't do it this way, then you're bad. And like, it's, sometimes it's just not that simple. Sometimes there's other reasons for choosing to not do something or to do something. It's just the way it works. Yeah. Um, so I have a question that's a little tongue in cheek, and then I have a very more, a much more serious question. I want to know if there's a phase zero because you started with phase one and then realized you were missing a step in your in your framework. I actually want to tell this because it's just, it's a good, it's a good story. <laughs> so I teach financial planning at a university level. So at West Virginia University, I teach, I, I, I teach both the uh, precursor or the, the um, personal finance course, the kind of the basics, and then the advanced financial planning course. So when they had given me this course, basically I was given the course materials on Friday and told that I start teaching on Monday. Like here, we don't really, it, you know, go have fun basically. And so what I looked at like that weekend was like, okay, this material is garbage. It's not good material. I'm going to throw it out the window and basically create my own content. And so I, I, and I've done that for the last few years. So in, in a few years of teaching the course, I had developed this phase one, phase two, phase three. And so it was last, was it April? Last April. Yeah, it was last April because it was right, right in COVID. Uh, John drove up to my house and we were going over just some of where we need to go for the business. And we just had this conversation. I just, I just, I was like, Hey, I've got something in my lectures about this. And so I downloaded it and it was, uh, you know, is our phases and John's like, this is it except for it's missing something (laughs) basically just what you said. And, uh, it was like, yeah, because some people aren't prepared to make long-term decisions. And so like phase one starts with making these foundational decision risk management decisions, but we had clients that just weren't in positions to be able to make long-term decisions. Mm -hmm. So John's like, what do we call it? Like phase zero. And I was like, actually, that sounds really awesome. (laughs) Let's do it. It's the first thing I thought of when you said phase zero, I was like, oh, they originally had a three phase process and then they had to bring in that fourth step. And also Joe is observation. Is teaching at the University of West Virginia really university teaching? (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. That was a dig. Uh, Listen, if you can't say West Virginia University instead (laughs) of the University of West Virginia, then you don't get to make that dig. Right. (laughs) You're right, because I know it's West VU. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 
And nobody calls it West for you either. either. There's I do. I always do. <laughs> okay, that's and, fair. That's fair. I'm gonna take it. I listen. I have been educated again. All right. And, and she's not even the hokey of the two of us. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> That's good. Yes. So, so okay, here is um, my more serious question. This um, talking about finances is such a vulnerable and personal thing for people, right? Yes. And you have such a non-traditional approach to how you help people think about and see their financial situation. Do you find that to be an easier entry point with people to get them to talk about finances, right? Because I feel like if I was in a, just a really like uncertain, if I was not clear what I was doing, if my finances were just a, you know, you know, category five, like mess that I would be really comfortable talking to you two because your approach is basically like, it's almost as if, and, and and I know this isn't what you're saying, but it's almost as if you're saying, look, the system and the way that as a as a society, we teach people to think about money, it, it's jacked up. And so let's just let's reframe the conversation and like start start from scratch, which makes it much easier for people to accept. Dude, this is hard. Like and talking about tough financial situations is really hard for people. Right. So does it, what can you talk about that, about that a little bit and the impact you have with that? Sure. Um, it is a different entry point for sure. Um, and one thing that I, I don't, <clears throat> this is something we've been talking about a lot over the last, even just the last week is because we're getting ready to release a phase zero online program, shameless plug. Um, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> you can do that at the end of the show guys. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> But we don't ever want we don't ever want to correlate phase zero with a mess or being a being poor or anything like that because it's irrelevant what income level. I mean, as we talked about, you know, I mean, we we talk to people that are making, you know, well into seven figures and all of that. And it's just a it's it's just a phase that we have to get a better control of things. You don't have to be out and not have any clue what's going on whatsoever phase zero is about cleaning out the financial junk drawer okay everybody's got that junk drawer in their house right and there's just crap in there and there's wires and everything's just wrapped up but you know against each other it's the same thing in our financial lives so to speak to that entry point when i talk to people about just hey we're going to get in there we're going to get under the hood we're going to see what you got and we're going to start to organize it first right? Then we're going to figure out what decisions need to be made. Joe's always, you know, said, we have to figure out what the most important decision that we can make first is. And let's take that step. Let's make that decision. And then let's sit back and reevaluate and see what's next, right? So yeah, there's a lot of vulnerability in there with people and you have some pretty crazy conversations. There's a reason I have a couch here in my office. You know, sometimes, sometimes you have to play therapist a little bit, right? Um, because you also have to understand too that a traditional advisor doesn't necessarily want to have these conversations. And so, you know, but you know, every every problem is supposed to be solved with an insurance or an investment product in this world, right? Yeah. And so so what we're doing is is we're opening the door um, and saying, we're gonna get you prepared to do that work, right? And that's why 
uh, that honestly, that's why we have to had to develop the online stuff because there's so much work that goes into that. It's it's tough to scale it, right? And yeah, and, and so another aspect about that with the the vulnerability and having those conversations is, you know, frankly, this stuff wasn't written out. This stuff was not. When, when I got into the business 15 years ago, I would ask older veteran advisors, you know, why do we do the decisions we do? And they never had a response. There was no reason as to why we make one decision versus another. And so I would read being young, I would try to read, you know, the literature and I would find these different arguments and people arguing for this or against that. And I would just seek to understand why. And what I found out was nobody knows why we're making any of the decisions we're making. We're just making decisions because it's the conventional way of doing it, but nobody knows where the conventional ways came from or why that they exist, or even if they should exist, we just know that they're here. So what happened was I made my own fair share of financial mistakes. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, so like I learned all of this, this phased process I learned it not because I read it somewhere and I'm like, oh man, this is really good. Let's start a business on it. I read it. Through, I learned it through this. We learned it through the school of hard knocks. And so when we're talking to people, we are not talking to them from an ivory tower. <laughs> we're talking to them. Yeah, we're just like you. We've been there. We know. Like I always joke about the book that I got when I first started my career. I went to the library and got the book that, uh, you know, mistakes you can make in your life. And I just started on page one. <laughs> I've read that book a couple times. <laughs> my notes, my annotations. Let me repeat that one again. Make sure I fully understand why that's a screw up new, you know? So when you do that, you, you, you leave this trail of tears behind you and you still have to clean it up because the cavalry is not coming. Right. So, you know, all of these approaches, you know, people aren't talking to John and I because we had everything figured out and everything in our life was perfect. We can talk to people and identify with them because we've been there. We know what it's like. We know what it's like to feel that pinch. We know what it's like to begin to grow. We know what it's like to feel that, you know, success. And so it's like we can talk. So part of it just isn't what we're doing as much as it is who we are as people, which is true for any industry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So when you're, when you're talking to people and uh, I mean, for me, like it, it's comforting, comforting, very comforting to know that, um, uh, up until, you know, this conversation, most of the financial experts that I've talked to didn't really know what they're talking about. So thanks for that. Um, <laughs> you feel better now. Yeah. Everybody. yeah. But, um, it, for, for somebody who might be, you know, questioning what uh, advice they may have or the decisions they've made or whatever, what's one that one piece of advice? Like, where should everybody start uh, in terms of just building, uh, like, thinking towards the future? Because, you know, I want to go on a vacation now, but I also want to start a business, but I also, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what do I, what do, I do for somebody like myself? Again, that one you. It's a cash flow question. Yeah, as well, grab it. Yeah, so I was just going to say it's you know there's there's two there's really two things. I know you asked for one, but I'm going to give you two. Um, bonus. Yeah, it's the bonus. I like looking at things qualitatively and quantitatively. Okay, so one is the quality, one is the the, the numerics and the tangible aspect. So the uh, the tangible one is it focus on your cash flow. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
Um, that is what is so significantly important. And a lot of questions will come down to cash flow. Should I pay off debt or should I save? Listen, if you don't have any money, don't be spending what little extra money you have paying off debt. The reason you go into debt is because you don't have any money. So save. So don't, don't go paying extra on credit cards, for instance. Focus on your cash flow. Build up that cash flow because as you've got a strong cash flow, that is going to turn into money and savings. That's going to turn into decreased debt. It's going to turn into the ability to invest. So if you don't know where else to go, go to your cash flow first. That just makes the most amount of sense. Uh, and I will say, obviously, we understand math and how it doesn't seem to make sense from, well, you're paying this amount of interest on your credit cards. So why would it make more sense to put it in a savings account? But again, this is a behavior issue, okay? Yes. Phase zero is a, is a mindset issue, yes. right? And so, again, as Joe said, and as I say this 12 times a day, every day, the reason that you're in debt is because you don't have access to dollars, right? So we're going to put you in a position that you have access to dollars. I don't care that your savings account isn't making any money. I don't care that, you know, you could get a better rate of return if you throw all your money in crypto. I don't care about any of these things at this moment while we're having this conversation. All I care about is that savings account bumps up a little bit every time you get paid. That's what we care about here. Yes. Now go with your next stuff. Next thing. <laughs> so to do that, you got to focus on cash flow. Yep. The second thing is, or the part of number one, only the qualitative aspect of this is make sure that what you're doing matches with who you are. Mm -hmm. If there is something that someone is telling you to do that you just, it does not make sense for who you are, don't do it. You know, mm -hmm. the way that I invested in the past is different than the way that I invest now. There are some things that are just a matter of who you are as a person. If someone is telling you decisions, like I, I hear this one, this is a real common one, is like never go into debt. Okay, and then you'll have other people that'll say, uh, other people say, well, why would I ever use anybody else's money than somebody else's money? You know, or you'll have the, the guy or the gal that's made it to a certain level and they'll say, man, if you wanna get rich, put your money all in stocks. That's how I made my millions. And then of course you'll have their buddy who's a real estate investor who will say, man, if you want to get rich, put your money in real estate because God ain't making any more land. You know, the person that made it in entrepreneurship, man, if you want to make money, get into business. That's where it's all at, right? So the way that we do things, it's not a set way. It has to match who you are and what your personality is. And if it doesn't match those things, then you're not going to make it work anyway because it doesn't align with your own thinking processes. So sometimes we gotta quit looking at things simply clinically and just as a what's tangible and looking at a rate of return and measuring it with somebody else's rate of return. Sometimes you gotta look at things a little bit more abstractly and say, I just don't like doing that and I don't want to. And you don't. <laughs> and then it just cleans out your life just a little bit more. So those would be the both of the number one things that I would offer. Focus on yourself, focus on your cash flow, and then the other stuff can flow from both of those. Y'all are kind of rebels. I love it. 
This is, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, like you were, you were, I, I, I know that you said some things that were, are so in alignment with, you know, the way that I think, but you said a lot of things also that are really in alignment with the way that Corey thinks. So, um, this was, this was really, um, educational, um, and also entertaining. So thank you so much. We need to wrap up because y'all have taken way more time than we were planning on giving you. We were going to give you like five minutes and you've taken almost 25. So, um, (laughs) good job. Can you tell our listeners how they can find you? And if there's anything you want to shamelessly plug, um, you can find us at DeGroff Financial. Um, that's companies, Instagram and, and um, Facebook. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Clubhouse as John DeGroff. Um, I'm on as Joe DeGroff. <laughs> yeah. Our parents taught us a lot of things. Creativity was not one of them. So. <laughs> well, you got the creativity from somewhere. So did I hear you say that you have a phase zero course coming out? We do actually. Um, it's in the final processes right now, um, getting the domains and things point, po- ported over. And uh, hopefully, here in the next few days, we'll be able to uh, drop that. It's going to be enliveningmoney.com. Enliveningmoney.com. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Well, I think that I'll definitely be enrolling in that just to see what y'all have come up with. And I'm sure I will learn some things along the way. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an absolute pleasure. I'm really, really glad that you said yes to this and decided to come on the show. Thanks to our listeners. We love when you tune in and you can find out all the information about Joe and John in our show notes. We promise to tell you everything there is to tell. And you can connect with us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel. Go check that out and reach us and find out all the information you need through sbpace.com. Yep. And while you're out on the internets, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and like us and give us a review. One star, five star, whatever it is that you want to give us, we're going to take it because we love feedback. And if you want to be on the podcast or if you have a topic you want us to cover, go to sbpace.com. We've got a form out there. You can fill that out. Let us know. Don't forget to purchase our book, Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. You can find the link on our website. It's a number one bestseller on Amazon. There is a digital workbook download on our site. And if you've read it, please like it and give us a review. I know I listened to everything you just said, but did you say the name of the book? I did. Okay. Just checking. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America. 